Glad to have you all with us. You ready to get into the Lord's Word this morning? Well, a few weeks ago, I got something in the mail here in my office, and I opened it up, and it was a bill for the annual payment uh, for the um, domain for our website. I thought, oh, okay, that's cool. Or so it seemed. Uh, it was about the right amount. It had listed there who our uh, host Uh, who was hosting the site and everything. It said annual renewal right up at the top. And then when I read down and got into the fine print, um, it said that it was a company, it said this is not a bill um, for this amount, which was pretty expensive, we will put you in our directory to increase your visibility. But boy, oh boy, um, if, if I wasn't careful, right? Don't you hate, I, I just hate stuff like that. I hate being deceived. How about you? I, I hate other people being deceived and taken advantage of. It happens all the time, right? In our, I mean, people that were, uh, you know, hoarding stuff during COVID and, and things like that. I just, just bothers me to no end. But you know what I hate worse? What I hate worse, I hate that my own heart can deceive me. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? My own heart, blinded by its wants and temptations, can sometimes talk me into things that aren't good for me, right? That that can hurt me, that can hurt relationships that can hurt other people, and yet my heart is right there going, go for it, go for it, go for it. How about you? Anybody? uh, I see some nods. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. Here's God trying to help us here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We talked a couple weeks ago about things that we struggle with, even as Christians, as believers. Uh, Anyone remember what they are, the three of them? I do. (laughs) The flesh, the world, and the devil, right? And we will, as long as we live in these human bodies on this fallen earth, we will struggle against those three things. The flesh, I want to come back to uh, this morning, so that we can see not only that it's a struggle, but how the Lord equips us to gain victory and overcome in our struggles. The flesh, as we've noted, biblically speaking, is those uh, it's a general term for our physical and emotional desires that have been affected by sin, right? Self-serving inclinations and impulses that go beyond meeting legitimate needs. Um, for example, we don't need the added sugars, right, Bart? <laughs> we don't need the added sugars that we put into our diet. Um, According to the American Heart Association, the average American adult consumes an average of 77 grams of added sugar per day, which adds up to 60 pounds 
of added sugar a year. We don't need it, but we want it, don't we? Yeah, for the pleasure of the taste, right? It's all about this thing right here. This tongue, boy, gets us into trouble. Uh, Emotionally, emotionally, sugar, right? It's comfort food. Makes us feel better when we're stressed, etc. And the more we eat, scientifically, the more sugar we eat, the more we crave. It becomes a physical thing, doesn't it? But be not deceived, the scripture says. Sowing to the flesh reaps corruption. Things like obesity, things like type 2 diabetes, things like heart disease and other problems. Similarly, the abuse of things like drugs and alcohol not only have taken their toll on bodies, but on marriages, relationships, families, societies, haven't they? Yeah. And the emotional side, how many lives have been damaged by things like lust and greed Envy, jealousy, revenge. How many people's lives have just been destroyed? Families torn apart, right? By these emotional fallen inclinations. So much pain and heartache because of these impulses of our flesh. And we all battle them, don't we? Even the apostle, even the apostle Paul, you know, Jesus, Paul, right? He's like, he's like the number two guy in the, in the New Testament. Even Paul, writing to the, book, to the Romans, he said this in Romans 7.21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members or in my flesh another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin. And he finishes that out, that section out with, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Anyone relate? Sometimes you just say, Why did I do that? Why am I falling into that again? I know it's wrong. I know I should be doing this. And yet, boom. There I am, again, who will deliver me from this body of death, this flesh that seems to control me at times. If you're human, how many humans in the house? Uh, just, just okay, a, a few. Not, not, not everybody raised their hands. I, I got some questions for the rest of you. Um, if you're human you will struggle against these things. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. It's common to all of us, right? And how many, now don't raise your hands this time, would be honest enough to say, you know what, there's some things in my life that I'd like to get victory over. Me too. I'll raise my hand, okay? And thank God the Bible does offer us hope and wisdom to do just that. After saying, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul wrote these words. He says, thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God. 
Right? You and I can get victory, and it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's look at it this morning. I want to entitle the, the message this morning, The Spirit of Life. The Spirit of Life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says this. says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. First of all, that, that comes right after, thank God, right, that through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then, he, and then instead of explaining exactly how that's done, he starts out with, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Why does he start with that? How many have ever uh, been summoned to the principal's office? It's been a lot of years now, so you can, you know, you can confess. Or to the woodshed, or had someone very upset with you for something that you did, right? What is your expectation in facing them? It's not positive, is it, right? You're, you're thinking punishment. Uh, you're thinking you have to fix this, right? Uh, you have to do better, right? So any way you, you see it, there's this heavy against us, and it's on us to get this right, to fix this situation, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's our willpower then that has to do something, which obviously we're struggling with to begin with, right? So Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In other words, God's posture toward us when we fall, when we fail, is not heavy condemning. His posture toward us is positive. He's not mad. He's not holding us at arm's length. It's a posture of mercy. It's a posture of wanting to help us in our time of need. Therefore, it's not we are forced to get this right if we're going to get in good with God again. No, we come in our weakness. As, as Bart was talking this morning in the, in the lay leader, he, he began to pray, Lord, I'm weak in this area. You need to help me. I can't do this. Right? That's what God is looking for. Not, you better get this right before you ever come to church again. Or, or you blew it, you poor excuse for a Christian you. You keep falling into that same thing over and over and over again. You call yourself a deacon? You call yourself a trustee? You call yourself, you know, how dare you serve on that committee? How dare you sing in front of the church? You got this problem and that problem and the other problem. Right? Remember, it's the enemy who is called the accuser of the brethren and sisterin, right? God doesn't do that. He's not about, get it right, dude, or do that. If you ever want to look at my face again. No, I mean, for God so loved the world that was struggling in sin, what did he do? He sent his only son, right? He's all about, let's help these people because I love them. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We should have an expectation not of, on us to get it right, but an expectation of his supernatural help for us. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be in 
Christ Jesus. We've talked about this before. Remember the glass in the ocean illustration, right? You put a glass in the ocean. The ocean is in the glass. The glass is in the ocean. When you and I come to faith in Jesus, when we open our hearts and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. His Holy Spirit comes into us, and then we come into Christ, right? We are part of him. He's in us. We're in him. And why is there no condemnation? Because when we come to faith in Christ, what did he do? He died on the cross. He is our Savior. Our sins are then forgiven. They're wiped out. They're washed away. They're taken out of the way. That which condemned us before God has now been removed. That which leads to death has been removed. Romans 8.2 For the law of the spirit of life, I love that, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. How does that happen? Verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Let me ask you this morning, how many crimes in in our society, how many crimes have been totally eliminated because we made laws that say don't do that? I, I, I think I saw a zero out there, right? Yeah, because laws cannot make people do things they don't want to do. Or laws cannot make people not do things that they want to do. Even in the scriptures we see that. God gave them the law. How long did that you know, take them to, to blow it? Right? Laws don't change lives. And there's a problem in here. Our hearts, right? Deceitful. Our hearts. We want what we want when we want it. Laws can't make people righteous. So the law, Paul says, is weakened by the flesh. Makes sense, right? Those physical and emotional desires weaken the law. You're driving down the road. Sign says speed limit. But, right? Yeah. So God sent his own son, wrapped in human flesh. 100% God, 100% man. Don't ask me how, he's God, right? But as a man, he was able to stand in for us, going to the cross, taking the sin of humanity on himself, dying on that cross in our place. The Bible says that sin itself was judged and condemned. Sin itself, judged and condemned. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Right, that the penalty, the judgment fell on him on the cross, so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. In other words, for those of us who have trusted Christ as Savior, our sin goes into his account. Right? Actually went into his account. He died on the cross with this. And his righteousness comes into our account. We are made righteous 
because of what he did. Now, we know we, we're, we're not perfect. We know we fall. We know we, you know. But in God's eyes, we're righteous. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for us. We then are purified from our sin. We then become a holy vessel that God can now pour his Holy Spirit in. And that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of life comes into us and brings the life of God. Life-changing love and grace and understanding and wisdom and supernatural power comes into us. right? And he begins to change us on the inside. Changing our desires, changing our wants, changing our inclinations from those things that end up hurting us to things that bless us and bless others. The law couldn't do that, right? Law says do this, don't do that. doesn't do the change. The spirit of life coming in begins to bring change on the inside. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but now according to the Spirit. According to the Spirit. What is the righteous requirement of the law? Jesus told us that all the law could be summed up in two things. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? So now, with the Holy Spirit in us, changing our hearts and desires, we are no longer the center of the universe, right? Take some time. It's not instant, right? How many know that? It's not instantaneous. But now, all of a sudden, we are no longer the center of our universe. God has, has loved us he has, he's come into our lives, our eyes are open, we see the truth, and we say, okay, I want to respond to him, I want to love God and love others, and he's working in us to do all that, so that we are not, you know, it's not all, all focused on me, my, and mine anymore, it's like, no, it's love. I'm focusing on him, I'm focusing on others, right? Things begin to change. Expressing that love for God, expressing that love for others. Walking now according to the motivation of the Holy Spirit instead of the motivation of my physical and emotional impulses and inclinations. So, how do we get victory over our flesh and its selfish desires and impulses? By first of all, first of all, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died for us so that we could live. Amen? Have you done that? Have you done that? If not, I want to give you that opportunity in a few moments. But once doing that, once doing that, Paul says you've got to understand this principle. There is no condemnation for you. We still struggle. We still fall at times. What is God's posture toward me? Who, what is he, you know, what is our interaction? 
when I blow it? Is he is he up there with his arms folded going, ah, Ron, you did it again. Or you better get it right. You better you you better you better overcome this with a bunch of good things this week if you want to come to church and smile again on Sunday. We do that, don't we? I blew it, so now I gotta do a bunch of good things. Right? When you think about it, that, that, that actually dishonors what Jesus did on the cross. Not that we won't want to do good things. We want to do good things all the time anyway, out of love for God and love for others. But not penance. All of our penance fell on Christ on the cross, right? He paid the price. We, we did that message a number of weeks ago. Paid in full, right? We could never pay it all anyway. No. What is his posture toward us? I love you. Come to me. I want to help you. Hebrews 4. Got to be, at least in the last couple of years, got to be my favorite verse. You know, we come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy, Hebrews says, and grace to help in time of need. That's, that's our relationship with our Father in heaven. Mercy. Not getting what we deserve, right? Mercy when we come. You know, if we're like, I don't want to deal with this, right? Or, hey, it's my one vice, God, leave me alone. Right? But that's the attitude. Can't expect much. But when we come humbly, when we come boldly because he's our father, when we come boldly because of what Jesus did for us, we come to... A God whose arms are wide open. And what do we receive? Mercy and grace to help in time of need. God speaking to our hearts saying, hey, let's talk about what puts you over the edge. Let's talk about triggers in your life. Let's talk about why you got to that place in the first place. Uh, in, in my own heart and life, one of the, the neat things that God did for me was to say, you know, why are you, why are you looking to that? You're not looking to me to get that need met. If you would look to me, I would meet that need in your heart, and you wouldn't need this over here. It's like, oh, okay. Right? Grace to help in time of need. He stands ready to assist us with supernatural love, power, wisdom, etc. We started this verse, 1 Corinthians 10.13. Let me read it all to you now. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here's a good memory verse. Right? It's common. You're not the only one. Don't let the devil get on you and go, you sorry excuse for Christian. Everybody else has this under control, but you, you might as well hang it up. Don't show your face in that place again because they're all spiritual and you're not. Right? Common to man. But with that temptation, 
God will provide the way of escape. We come to a crossroads, and guess who's standing there? The Lord is ready to help us. And can I say this? Um, Sometimes that way of escape is before, right? It's, um, it's, it's, it's like, it's not that second donut. It's what were you thinking when you bought them in the first place? Why are they even in your house? Right? Sometimes it's, it's before. No. God is ready to meet us in our temptations and provide a way out. Think about it. Forgiving rather than reacting in anger. There's your way of escape. Right? God has given you a way and me. Um, calling a brother or a sister in Christ and saying, hey, I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? There's a way out. I got somebody else on the line. This is part of how we help each other in the body of Christ. Not look down on each other, but, but re- remember, it's common to man, right? We all struggle. So call a trusted brother, a trusted sister. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget when I did this, um, and uh, the, the particular brother that I turned to, he said, yeah, I have the same struggle. I was floored. I, I thought this guy was like, you know, up here, you know. And just to know that somebody else understood was strengthening for me. And then we could kind of hold each other accountable and pray for each other. That's a very, very positive thing. That's a way of escape. Pick up that phone. Call somebody, right? Yeah. Way of escape. Buy apples instead of donuts. Somebody somebody posted this one time on Facebook years ago. I never forgot it. If you're not hungry enough to eat an apple, you're not really hungry. Let that let that ruminate a little bit. You know? That that piece of chocolate is very easy to grab. Am I really hungry? Ask yourself, could I eat an apple right now? I don't really feel like that. You're not really hungry. Right? Interesting ways of escape. It's not clicking on things on the internet that I shouldn't. It's doing something productive with that idle time. Right? There's your way of escape, my way of escape. It's installing software that blocks that garbage before I'm sitting there tempted to click, right? Or notifies an accountability partner. I've got software on my computer. It's a, it's a huge thing. You know, it's not, it's not like the old days where you had to, you know, uh, get something behind the counter in the drugstore, right? Anything, just a click away. And it is destructive, destructive, destructive. So, hey, resources are out there. Are we taking advantage of those resources? That's a way of escape before I ever get to the place of temptation. So part of our getting victory, this isn't all of it, 
But part of our getting victory in this area of struggling is knowing, first, first of all, accepting Christ, right? But knowing that he is with us and knowing that he is for us. Knowing that when we turn to him in our weakness, he is there to give us strength, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to give us supernatural power, to give us the way out so that we are not overcome by our temptations. Because he's all about loving us. He's all about helping us. He is our... I, I, I love... Jesus came... Uh, in the Old Testament, you know, God was Almighty God. Right? Jesus came with this concept. Our Father who art in heaven. Right? Paul says, this, we have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba. What is Abba? It's a, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. It means daddy. Daddy. Yes, he's still almighty God, but he's daddy when we need. He loves us. He wants to help us because all these things hurt us. And like any parent, he doesn't want his kids to be hurt. Right? You teach your kids certain things when they're growing up. You discipline them. You, do, you, you give them wisdom. Why? Because you want them to have the best life possible. Why would God be any different? If anything, his love is purer, it's higher, it's better. He wants to help us. So he will be there for us 24-7. We come to him in weakness and we can expect not folded arms, open arms and grace to help in time of need. Amen? Understand that. Know that. So, first of all, have you trusted Christ as Savior? Here, online, that's the first step, opening up your heart. Jesus said, uh, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in. That is the door of our hearts. You ever see that picture? I, I wish I had it here. Picture of Jesus knocking at the door. It's kind of a famous picture. You notice there is no door handle on his side. He's never, ever, ever going to force that door open. The handle is on our side. Nobody else can open it. It's not your parents' door, your grandparents' door, or somebody that's a missionary that you know, you know, a good friend of mine's a missionary. That's going to, no, 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 no. It's a personal, I knock on the door of your heart. Will you let me in? I want to be your all in all. Have you done that? If not, let's bow our heads. If you have, pray, pray for, just pray that people who have not, who are listening, will open their hearts. Because God loves you so, so much. Enough that Jesus died on the cross for you. And if you believe that, that he took your sin, just say, Jesus, I am opening that door of my heart to you right now, inviting you to come in, inviting you to be my Savior, to take away my sin, to take away that which separates me from God, that, that, that leads to death, that I might have life. Be my Savior, be my Lord. Teach me, Lord, what it is to know you and to walk with you. 
to know that you're going to be there at those crossroads in my times of temptation to help me. That you're there 24-7. That you love me. I give my heart, I give my life to you right now. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. You're at the right hand of the Father. That someday you're coming back. And that we're going to be rid of all this sin and problems one day. But for now, you're going to be with me 24-7. Thank you, Lord. And if you have prayed that prayer, if you did it for the first time today, please let me know. I want to get a, put a Bible in your hand, answer some questions. But if you've done that and it's been a while but you've, you've kind of been walking this Christian life and, and you've been saying, you know, I'm struggling. I know I'm not where I should be. God's pretty much disappointed with me most of the time. I, I don't want to ask him for help. I know I can just do better, and yet I fall and fall and fall just like the Apostle Paul. But you see it differently now. And you see a God ready to give you supernatural help. Just reach out to Him now in your heart. Say, Lord, I see it. And I give you this area of my life, this area of struggle. Maybe there's more than one. You say, Lord, I need your help. I'm coming to you humbly. I'm coming to you, Lord, with, with, with things that are, are just too strong for me. But you are my rock. You are my fortress. You're my deliverer. You're my strength. And I'm calling on you to help me, trusting that you will be there. And I thank you for that, Lord. Let's walk together in the future and see your victories in me. And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.